0: This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations with host, Leah Lem. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health.
1: Honey and hello, I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech, and thank you for joining me for an in-depth conversation, exploring how Indian country and Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic health crisis. Today on the show... We've heard the plan from the state about what we're doing next as far as schooling goes. Now we wait for individual school district decisions to roll in as to what their plans are going to be. Andrea Fairbanks joins me today. She's the mother of an up-and-coming sixth grader who's been doing online learning since well before the pandemic. And Andrea is an educator with the Indian Education Department at the St. Paul Public Schools. And reporter Melissa Townsend talks with Govinda Boudreaux. They have a thoughtful conversation about the unique challenges to native students, including those in special education. All that coming up, but first, state officials announced on July 30th, the plan for how schools will make their own decisions as to how they'll proceed with the school year. Whether it's in class, hybrid or distance learning, each district will base decisions on many factors, including county level data. All families have the ability to opt in to distance learning no matter what their district decides. At the press conference, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan expressed her empathy and concern for students and parents, educators, school staff, and all those involved.
2: Our top priority is the health and safety of our students, our teachers, and the support staff who are part of their school communities. We also know that our kids learn best when they can be in a classroom. This is especially true when it comes to students from underserved communities, including Black students, Indigenous students, students of color, students without access to broadband or those who have to share a computer with their family members, students with disabilities, low-income students, English language learners, and so many more.
1: Guidance from the Minnesota Department of Education and the Minnesota Department of Health will inform how school districts and charter schools will make those local decisions using data and other factors unique to the school to choose one of three models of learning, in-person, distance learning, or a hybrid of in-person and distance. One of the numbers that's being looked at is the number of cases per 10,000 people over 14 days, and that's county-level data. And there are thresholds where schools look at going from one type of learning model to another. So as the number gets higher, distance learning is phased in and vice versa. Joining me now is Andrea Fairbanks, Anishinaabe, Kwe, and mother. And she works with young ones as an Ojibwe language and culture specialist. buju Welcome, Andrea. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Let's see. So how did your family adjust to distance learning then in, in March when when we were all sent home, our family, when, when our kids were sent home?
3: Prior to COVID hitting everybody, I had already enrolled my daughter into online education. And so she's been doing that since uh, just after New Year's. And so when I started having to work from home, It made it a lot easier for me because I got to look at how this program that's already been online functions and everything. So it helped me figure out how to work better with my students and with the teachers and the families. That's really interesting. So what sort of program was she doing then? She actually goes to Connections Academy. And so at Connections Academy, they have a parent portal and a student portal kind of thing. So when my daughter logs on, it shows all of her classes and her assignments and then on the parents website i i do her attendance for her i get to check what all of her classes are and the grades like what what her like what percentage she has done how well she's doing there and every assignment and everything and then um there's uh the meetings with the students and teachers once a day and then her teacher calls us to check in once a week
1: so you had that experience then of already switching to online learning with a school that was already set up for that, that kind of had had gone through <laughs> learning, yeah. you know, how best to do it. Um, yeah. Very cool. So what is that sort of what, what does that day look like then
3: uh, for Connections Academy? For them, every, every day what my daughter does, she'll, she'll go online and she'll check out what her assignments are. And there's about four or five assignments a day. So there'll be the reading or literacy, the math and uh, social studies. One day there'll be art. Another day there'll be FIED. And uh, she has a couple of other like enrichment courses for like reading and stuff. And those are throughout the week. Mm -hmm. When she looks at her assignments each day, there's like a few pages of stuff online, like where she'll click on the first page, it'll give her an overview of what her goals are and the expectations and what she should be able to learn from this lesson. Next page, it'll be something like the story or like an example of whatever they're learning. And then she gets to do like other activities that are with a book because they send books mm-hmm. home, like the math books or literacy books. So then she'll get to read something. And so then she'll do that. And then after she's done with the assignment, she continues clicking and then the final page of the, of the online lesson there is the assessment and the assessment is only like 3 to 10 questions well some of them are like 20 questions but uh, <laughs> like usually it's like 3 to 3 to 10 questions and then she'll just uh answer those questions and then that percentage gets marked and to show how well she did on the mm-hmm. lesson now some of the lessons like like math it, like she's learning new mm-hmm. stuff so well, like all of it is new, but the math especially is like the most difficult one, it seems like, because like it's totally new. And so as the parent uh, on my side, a lot of times I'll have to go through each lesson in her math. And the same pages that she has on hers, it'll have on mine for the lesson. But then it'll give details right below. of This is what she's going to learn. This is how to teach this. These are examples. Mm-hmm. And so it's really well mapped out so I can help her every step of the way with every single lesson.
1: So are you, are you remembering a lot of math then?
3: Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, there's, there's also been stuff that I'm like, I don't remember this or like new ways of teaching. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. So I just email her teacher. I'm like, I don't understand this lesson.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And then she'll, she'll get back to me. And she'll say, "Okay, well, let's let's call each other. I'll call you at this time, and let's talk about it. And then she'll walk us through it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And then the other thing is, um, the lessons like the lessons she has on Monday are not due Monday. Like she could do them Monday. Like that's that's great if she gets them done. But if like there's been times where a, a math unit or something like a whole week's worth of math is kind of like we don't get it, and I don't get it, and so then." We'll be like, okay, let's just focus on everything else for now and get this done. And then, like, when we talk to your teacher, then we'll figure it out. So then we put it off until like Thursday when we get to have a conversation with her, or when we hear back from her in email or something. And then we'll we'll get to have it explained to us. So then we can work on that lesson then. So there's no like, there's no penalty for not getting it done that day. Yeah,
1: yeah. So Andrea, uh, you know, I'm I'm talking to you. I mean, we're not face to face, but we're over. You know, virtual uh, video conference here um, and i see I see you smiling a lot when you're talking about this. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool to hear of a distance learning method that is working for you and your family. Uh, was there anything about that that public schools, charter schools could learn from something that's already been set up like connections academy
3: oh there's <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot I think it's a, a, I think parents. Who's uh, students are new to this online learning? It would help them to advocate more for their students and speak up more that uh, we can't expect our kids to do this uh, full workload that they would normally do when they get to do the face to face learning. When we're when we're all in school together with with like the teachers and students together, there's more time to get the like get answers right there, right on the spot for everything and one-on-one help and everything. And uh, when we're online, we just don't have that opportunity. And especially in, in like the older grades, like high schools and stuff, teachers like work with a couple hundred students and to be able to do that, have that one-on-one attention that they usually get. And it, it just, it's not possible. And so, like, the the workload definitely needs to be lowered a little bit.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, uh, I I remember school at least a little bit. You know, you're not sitting there actively doing assignments for six hours straight. So what else are you doing? You know, you're playing around with kids. You're, I don't know, (laughs) reading books over in the book reading corner or something like that. Uh, recess, lunch, you know, all of these things that, that expands the time, I guess, in, in the classroom. So with my kid and, and distance learning this, this spring, you know, we'd be done by 11, 11.30 or so in the morning. And, you know, and that was a lot of work. That was a lot of concentrated work. So, you know, what else after that? You know, like, what do students do after that? While the parents are trying to work, or you know, any number of any number of things that um, is happening in the family, so yeah, it's pretty interesting to to see what will happen, you know, for for students um, that'll be doing more of the distance learning or hybrid learning or anything like that. So, Indian education um, at the St. Paul Public Schools that that you work in, uh, what did that look like in the spring?
3: Well, in the spring, it was. Like in my department, we were more focused on making sure all of our families had what they needed. Like the main goal was making sure every family had a device, like Mm -hmm. their own laptop or whatever they needed. Couple weeks, that was it. Let's make sure we contact our families, make sure every family is contacted, make sure every family has something that they could use, make sure every, every family knows how to get hold of us, like our department for any mm. other needs that they have. At the same time, the focus was, uh, do all of our families have food? Make sure that they're all getting getting their food and they know how to get the food and everything because they need to get their breakfasts and their lunches from school and everything still. It was more like just helping our families adjust. And That was a huge part of it. And then also, how do we... Uh, help the teachers if the teachers need help. Some of us had other classes that we already participate in so or that we help facilitate and teach. So then we had to get online and work with our students. And then mm-hmm. and there was also our, our students who weren't showing up or weren't participating. Or We had to figure out, are they doing okay? Did do they have mm-hmm. internet? Is their device working? Do they know how to get hold of anybody? And, and just see like what, what factors are affecting them at home. Because uh, home life is different for every student. Yeah. What else do they have going on at home?
1: Yeah. And we have another school year coming up. Are you hearing anything from parents about what they're hoping to see or what challenges they're facing for this next year? Most
3: parents that I've heard from, they don't want to send their kids back at all everybody's been waiting to hear like for sure what's happening and it seems like since they're not getting sent back right away there's like a sense of relief there but then there's also the there's the whole part where um the the anxiety kind of like well what about food and what about like all of our needs that we'll have since since i'm gonna be teaching my kid now will i get the support i need and and so i i kind of get that
1: (laughs) Mm mm-hmm You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations, supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. I'm Leah Lem. With me today is Andrea Fairbanks, mother and educator, and we're talking about considerations from both the parental and educator perspective when it comes to the new school year and the state's announcement as to guidelines for how schools will make decisions for the 2020-21 school year. Now we're adding another voice to the conversation. Our reporter, Melissa Townsend, talked with Native educator Govinda Boudreau from the White Earth Nation about those challenges and how to make the most of the opportunity this time is giving us.
0: Do you want to just start by introducing yourself however
2: you'd like? Uh, My name is Govinda Boudreau, and I guess I wear a lot of hats. (laughs) I'm an instructor at Fond du Lac Tribal and Community College with the education programs. I spent 16 years at a tribal school as a teacher. I also work on a project with the state of Minnesota in special education to make sure that our Native children are understood in the special education process. So what is differences or disadvantages is not being viewed
0: as disability. Wow. Yes. So, you know, of course, because of the pandemic, at the end of last year, school went online but I have a feeling for many people school just disappeared when it went online. What was your experience specifically with Native youth given your role? You know, nobody really knows how to do this
2: and because I work with over 30 school districts around the state and primarily with their Indian education and special education staff to navigate this, we were doing weekly meetings to talk about, you know, what's happening and how do we really meet the needs of our kids and our families during this process. So we got to see and hear a more collective response from each other about what the struggle was. What were you hearing from people? What was the struggle? We had a lot of different topics. Sometimes families left the area. They may have been in a more metro area and went back even to their tribal communities or people didn't know you know, where they had traveled to. How do we, first of all, know that that's happening because it becomes very secretive because there's a fear of losing our children if we allow people to know what we're struggling with during this time. But they have rights to be able to maintain access to education. Say they had to go into foster care or people fall upon hard times, they shouldn't have to lose everything. And the effects of having to lose everything in that process Mm -hmm. are really detrimental educationally, socially, emotionally, spiritually. And it triggers a lot within children.
0: Yeah. When it comes to social and emotional resources mm. from school districts, how was that being addressed or
2: delivered? This was a ongoing topic of our discussions during this time because everything that we knew to do before to help each other socially and emotionally involved coming together and being with somebody. It was probably the most important topic because none of this matters in terms of academics. If, if the social emotional health of our children and our families are not being considered and and well supported, all of us, I think struggled with how to do that. So if you have somebody that starts disengaging and you can't physically see them and you can't get them to answer, you know, an email, a call how do you know they're okay, and how do you how do you connect them to the right things? We had at least one suicide during this time uh-huh. in one of the communities that we work with, and you know other scary incidences of you know concern that you know we don't have the opportunity to really touch base with with children coming into the school and families coming into the school or teachers or others liaisons to go out to homes and have home visits there was at least a touch base that we could all sit together Mm. and we've lost pretty much every way that we know how to navigate this a lot of schools started coming up with like these virtual calming rooms with you know calming music and coloring pages and some of the Indian education programs started sending out activity kits and books and things that can be worked with with children and families and focusing more on togetherness and things that can just focus the mind in a different way. We've never had to navigate it this way, including, you know, we have to step back from the ceremonial aspects and in how much we can even rely upon whether or not we risk going to our healers and our elders
0: during this time. Yeah, I mean, the importance of place, the importance of People, it's not there, it seems, when it's all paper or video. We've
2: been having some really deep discussions about how to navigate that. You know, like we have a language nest that we work with that's, you know, highly focused on having the elders involved with these families and the babies and this multi-generational model. And some of that can occur over Zoom or, or other things that, It can't go as deep because there's certain things that are not intended to happen over a computer. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to figure out how to do these things and keep people safe. We've never had Mm -hmm. to have a different alternative to many of our ceremonies where we've had large gatherings. And now how do we do this as smaller family units and then help support other community members? To have access to that same kind of education, that same kind of knowledge and teachings from a
0: distance. I'm thinking about the language camps that happen every summer. Are, mm-hmm. are, are those happening or?
2: They are not.
0: Even you know, so there's
2: language camps that are not happening. There's you know, cultural camps. Even our sugar bush. This happened right in the middle of sugar bush, and schools that were you know going to go out and bring their kids out to participate and all of those things were kind of then brought down to just the family level. But then if your family doesn't have their own camp or their own access, Mm -hmm. I worry a lot more about families that haven't been given that opportunity to reconnect during this time, especially because not only have they lost everything that is associated with whatever they created before, but then those teachings... And how to bring that into their home becomes harder. And I think, you know, there's places that we're beginning to move forward and then then access issues, you know. So then you start thinking about, you know, the family that doesn't have as much parental support or a, a car to get there and how do you give somebody a ride or, you know, all of that.
0: Do you feel like the disconnection is triggering in a way? because of the historical disconnection through colonization? It absolutely
2: is triggering. Maybe it's not triggering for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that for those of us that you know have been able to maintain a connection or have connections in our lives, the fact that it's not there now and that we have to renegotiate and navigate those things has been very triggering. And people that are you know, brand new to maybe reconnecting and then having that loss of now what, that becomes very difficult to navigate because what do you fill that with? You know, for years, my entire life, we've been told about a time coming that we would, you know, have to come back to our family units and um, navigate medicine. You know, how do you get food? How do you, you know, garden and hunt and all of those things? on your own. And we never really understood what that could be. And now we're looking at it like, okay, now's the time that we have to figure out as communities and as smaller family units, how to support each other on our own. So what, what comes next for you? Navigating each day, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And there's so much up in the air that we really can't, do much more than that. It's a lot of planning happening right now, a lot of thinking and rethinking and reorganizing of how to do these things that we knew best to do person to person and groups and gatherings and now how to translate that into what we have now. We're not quite sure.
0: (laughs) We're not quite sure, yeah. Well, I'd love to check in with you over the next period of time to see how things are, moving along.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was reporter Melissa Townsend speaking to Govinda Boudreau. And here with me is Andrea Fairbanks. Andrea, do you have an initial reaction to the conversation we just heard? I think after hearing a
3: lot of what she said, it really did make me think about a lot of uh, the stuff that in my department, like there's so much that we missed out on doing this at the end of the school year. We do our, our regular powwows, and uh, and I know my department likes to kind of brag about it. We held the last powwow on Earth because it was, um, I think, the week before everything got shut down. It was on that Friday we had a powwow, and it's like a monthly powwow, and we still had it, and but we kept it down to uh, limited to only two hundred people and everything, and it it was still good. We still got to see our families and stuff. But then, um, and the people came out, they were so glad that they got to, like, participate in that. Because then it's like, when do we get to do that again? Oh, like, who knows? Like, we all miss powwows and everything. And then we have our, our regalia specialist who is so used to having people come into our office all the time. And she helps them make their regalia. She teaches people how to make ribbon skirts and everything, you know, and and uh and how to be, and like families come in regularly, and now they don't get to do that, and it's like, oh my goodness like so it's 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 heartbreaking that we don't get to do everything that we used to do. so I know like like when she' was talking about ceremony and everything, we always have sage at our office, so a couple of the the women from our office they've said, well, if our families need sage. I'll bring it to them. I'll 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 bring it to them. And one of my coworkers, she's she's out there all the time. She's like, I'll bring this to the family. I'll I'll do it. And and she'll bring them like a bag of wh- whatever it is that they need. And and she's like, constantly taking care of the families and everything. And
1: something I I end up talking with a lot of people about uh, in a lot of these conversations is uh, the idea of sustainable living. Uh, growing food, hunting, and doing for, more for ourselves and our communities. Is anything like that happening in your life? Do you have, are you gardening or anything like that?
3: I have, I have a little small plot of land a block away from my house where I, um, I'm part of a group of people who, uh, it's like our community garden. I, I started participating in their community garden last summer. And my mom started the summer before. So since she was doing it, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go learn how to do this. And uh, I tried to do it on my own before at home and it was a failure. Oh. <laughs> and so now that it's up there and I'm with other people and somebody teaching me how to do all of this, I, I kind of feel a little bit more comfortable about it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I was thinking this coming school year we'll have to do. We'll have to... Do something like that with our families. Cause like I know especially with our our department, we like some of the funding we get to work with our families is about cultural stuff and something culture cultural is harvesting our own food, gardening and providing for ourselves. That's cultural in itself. So I mean I think it would be nice to be able to provide families with like gardening pots and soil and seeds.
1: That sounds like a great idea. <laughs>
3: yeah. And then uh, also there's, uh, there's a high school teacher in Minneapolis. I don't know if I should mention her name or not. Okay. But she's also come up with a really great idea and she reached out to other people on, on Facebook to see if anybody else is um uh, interested in planning out something like this, like a whole curriculum based around like gardening and planting stuff and everything Um, just from seeing her ideas and everything like it's totally cultural Mm -hmm. cultural and it's totally something we should be teaching our kids anyways
1: Mm -hmm. oh that's really great well thank you so much Jimmy guach andrea for taking the time to talk to me i really appreciate your perspective and hearing about your daughter and all of that good stuff so Thank you so much. Oh,
3: thank you.
1: And thank you for listening today, Miigwech. Being a parent is such an honor, and we trust our educators with our children. And making these significant decisions can feel overwhelming. And I'm right there with you. It's clear that we're all trying to do our best for our kids. Thank
0: you, Miigwech, and I wish you health. I'm Leah Lem. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.